Do I still have some people who are coming? Who's still coming? All right. I'll see you at 9 a.m. at the Preserve. And I guarantee it is fun. You're doing something worthwhile. You're getting a little dirty. You're watching me get dirty. That's fun. So we'll make it happen. get started. Those who are not letting your neighbor listen, please let them listen. Um, as you know, your exam is a week from Monday. So we will have uh, reviews next Friday. I'll advertise that on Monday. Get the rooms and everything. So if you have questions, don't leave them off. Come sooner rather than later. to see how messenger RNA codes for a protein, and that's called the genetic code. And here it is, starting with the five prime or first letter of the triplet on the messenger RNA, then the second letter, and finally the three prime or third letter. And the way you do this is or uh, for the triplet or the codon uh, AGU, you go to A, then G, and then U, and you get series. Now, you don't have to memorize the name, just be able to write S-E-R. Are you guys ready? All right, let's do one. The part of a peptide coded for by the mRNA sequence 3 prime AAU CAA AUG 5 prime is, and then here your choices, be careful and follow directions.
And I see some people um, clicking it in already. Maybe you looked at the question beforehand, but I strongly recommend, because I sometimes change them up, I strongly recommend that you at least check the answer that you thought was right. Don't just click it in Crazy.
something valuable. So just be careful to read the sequence. It should always have a five prime and a three prime end. If it doesn't, it's your right to ask. Uh, that must be saved. Right, and here's a practice one for you to do. I may even put another one in. So here's one that you don't have to wait until the night before the test to get. I'm going to try to be better this time. Right. So now let's look at how we translate the three-letter mRNA code into a sequence of amino acids in a protein. And so this process of translation or protein synthesis is beautifully summarized in this picture. And you should be able to tell the whole story, starting with transcription of the messenger RNA. You should be able to label 5' prime and 3' prime of the DNA and the RNA. And here comes the mRNA. Here comes the ribosome. Here is the ribosome, the tRNA, um, bringing amino acids. And here's your protein. And I've got a conveniently labeled slide below this one to help you figure it out. All right, and you should be able to explain this big picture diagram of what's happening in transcription, in mRNA splicing, where we cut out these introns that aren't part of the a code for the protein sequence, but as we'll see, have an important role. Um, we'll see that in the next topic. And then our mature mRNA is modified and translated into the protein. And you should be able to start, oh, here's translation. You should be able to start with just the bare bones, the lines, and then label all of these things um, the DNA, the eukaryotic mRNA, and the protein. This will be good practice. Here it is, ready for your use. Just print it, that's the old-fashioned way, or yes, if you can write right on your screen, do it that way, whatever works. But do it, that's the issue. And there'll be questions on the exam on this very picture. All right, so four different kinds of RNA transcripts, of which three will be directly involved in making protein synthesis happen. And that's going to be your ribosomal RNA that forms the main structure of the ribosome along with proteins. Your transfer RNA, or tRNA, that brings each amino acid to the right three-letter codon on the mRNA. And finally, your mRNA that is the message, the code for making that protein. You see everything's coming together at the ribosome with the mRNA and the tRNAs all converging. And so let's take a little animated look at this process. And you should be able to explain what's going on here. So here's the mRNA. 
Notice that the rRNA is here in the small subunit of the ribosome, ready to bind to the mRNA when it gets there. Here's the five prime end of the mRNA uh, and the three prime end. Uh, because the rRNA is anti-parallel, this is the end that will insert into the ribosome. It should make sense. And here's the anti-codon of the tRNA that's going to bind to the codon of the mRNA. And here's the ribosome binding site, which is going to bind to the ribosome. Notice that there's also various initiation initiation factors. That's incredibly complicated. Elongation factors. You don't have to know those. Just know that they're there, okay? All right, so here is the initiation <laughs> complex. Notice that the mRNA got sucked into the ribosome to bind to the ribosomal RNA. That process used one ATP equivalent, GTP, same high-energy bond, same amount of energy. This one tailored for this purpose. So we break the high-energy bond. We suck the mRNA in. Now the initial tRNA with its amino acid binds to the initial start codon. Does this make sense? And notice the binding of the 5' prime AUG 3' prime codon to the 3' prime UAC 5' prime anti-codon. Here comes the large subunit of the ribosome to now bind, and now three sites that conveniently fit tRNAs have formed. Here's the next tRNA. What selects for the next tRNA? Well, it's the next codon whichever one happens to bump into it and stick, that's the one that belongs. And so here's the one coding for the next uh, that's in the A site here of the ribosome. And now we need to break another GTP, high energy molecule, and that will form the peptide bond joining the first amino acid to the second one. And here we go. And now we move the ribosome down one triplet, one codon, and that exposes in this A site the next codon. And now we lose the tRNA that, uh, that, was, uh, that brought the first amino acid uh, from this E site. Um, and the, if you want to know what EPA means, it's not Environmental Protection Agency. A means the amino acyl site. That's where we bring the new amino acid. P means peptidyl site. That's the one that forms the peptide bond to the new one. And this is the ejection site that ejects the uh, now used uh, tRNA ready to bind to a new amino acid. Alright, here comes the next tRNA with its amino acid. It binds to the codon, and now we again spend one more ATP equivalent to make a new peptide bond, and now we've got three amino acids in this small peptide. Alright, let's do one.
energy blank. Is or is not required to add a new amino acid to the growing peptide. <laughs> and blank is or is not required to move the ribosome along the mRNA. Look at the pictures to help. And hopefully remember something of what you just saw. And by the way, if you can talk your way through that diagram, then you'll know that you know it. Right? Through that little animation, just talk your way through it. Tell it. with no gas? No. no, so can the ribosome drive along the mRNA with no energy? No. You guys want to vote again? Yeah. 30 seconds. 
house. Uh, the new one just before I uh, came here. So now, let's look a little more in depth into the rRNA. And here we go. So here's the structure of the ribosome according to a guy named David Goodsell. And it's a macromolecular assembly. That means it's a large, uh, basically, machine made of different macromolecules. People call this the protein factory. These tans are your ribosomal RNAs. And notice that uh, at many points along the structure, they are bonded to each other by base pairing. Note the complex shape. And then literally, proteins um, added at crucial spots to make the thing work. Notice that the catalyst here for making the peptide bond is not a protein enzyme. It's an RNA enzyme called the ribosome. This is crucial because we do think that RNA was the original genetic and catalytic molecule. And here it is, conserved in this ancient role of building a protein. So we can think of some of these things as molecular fossils that give us a clue as to the origin of the first cell. Really cool stuff. That's a catalytic nucleotide. That's a ribosome, which I asked you to learn for the last Now let's look at the tRNA. How does that work? Well, here it is, again, with base pairing at certain points along its structure, making a complex but definite shape. Uh, on one end is the anticodon that binds to the codon of the mRNA. And at the other end is the binding site for the particular amino acid that that tRNA carries. So it should make sense. If there are 20 uh, amino acids, how many different tRNAs are there? 20. Good. Please read about them here. And this is something I always wondered about. How does the amino acid get on the correct tRNA? Well, there's a special enzyme that does it for each amino acid and its tRNA. This is called charging the tRNA, and it's done by an amino acid tRNA synthetase. How many of these do you think we have? 20. Good. And here you can see how they fit the tRNA perfectly, uh, each one fitting in its own uh, tRNA uh, amino acid synthetase, and this is where it attaches the amino acid to each one. Really cool stuff. Please read about it here. Who's read a David Goodshell piece so far? At least one. Do you guys recommend them? Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right, who wants to see a little movie about all this that we just saw? Nobody? Okay. Oh. This is done by Blueberry, who I call the So remember where we left off our mRNA. It had 
transcribed from DNA and then processed in the nucleus. And now it's leaving the pore in the nuclear uh, membrane. So now it's in the cytosol. And here comes the small subunit of the ribosome, binding to the ribosome binding site. Here's the large subunit. And now here are all the tRNAs with the corresponding amino acid, each one binding to the codon that matches its anticodon. As you see, the um, ribosome kind of ratcheting along the uh, messenger RNA, and here they've coded each codon is, has different colors. Note that there's no structure that defines the codon. It's simply the next three letters, the next three letters, the next three. Now you see a cutaway view of each uh, tRNA coming in and its amino acid being joined to the growing chain. And here it is in uh, uh, close motion, the binding of the anticodon to the codon as the mRNA moves through the ribosome. And here are the tRNAs with their corresponding amino acid. They're just floating around there, whichever one bumps into its codon. Now you see the different uh, amino acids, uh, the way they look. Of course, each tRNA would be different too. And now you see the growing peptide chain emerging from the ribosome and it will start to fold into its secondary and tertiary structure. Remember that? Yes. We don't forget anything. Everything builds on everything. And it will be guided in that folding as a matter of fact. So there it is, folding into its form as the ribosome ratchets along three uh, bases, three nucleotides at a time, and now we're getting our protein. Secondary and tertiary structure forming now. And notice that there's virtually a sea of tRNAs with their amino acids. Obviously, everything is in great excess, and this all happens really, really fast. This is greatly slowed down. This is like slow, super slow motion. And now your protein's done. And we did it! We got a protein. to be uh, secreted or trafficked within the cell has to get into the ER. We saw that already, right? Yes. You didn't forget that, right? right? Right. And then remember, there's the whole processing in the ER, shipping uh, in the Golgi, and then a vesicle, motor protein, microtubule railroad, everything. All right, now let's see how this begins. All right, so... Protein targeting means proteins are going to be sent or trafficked to the membrane or to actually leave the membrane and self-construct into the wall or extracellular uh, matrix. 
They could be secreted out of the cell, like an antibody uh, or a hormone, like insulin. We saw that. Everything, connect everything. Or they could be trafficked to an organelle, like the mitochondria. In each case, the destination is specified by a signal peptide that is um, the first um, part of the mRNA message, and thus the first few amino acids of the protein. So it's, it's a special code that says, all right, this belongs in the ER. And so it binds to a special, here's the signal peptide, that binds to a special signal recognition particle that escorts the, um, the, this um, beginning of the protein uh, to the um, core that leads into the ER. And here it is binding to that core in the ER membrane. It's a receptor. And now the protein is released into the ER. So will this particular protein become a membrane protein or a secreted protein? It's going to be secreted because it's in the lumen of the ER. If it were to be a membrane protein, it would be inserted in the membrane. Remember that for your glycoproteins? So you can tell whether it's going to be a membrane protein or a secreted protein by um, what happens uh, next. All right. So now let's see how this fits into the whole context. Here's what we just saw in another illustration of recognition of signal protein, docking of the ribosome to the ER receptor, and here comes the protein being inserted into the ER. Now let's see the rest of it, and this should be a review for you. Everything. So starting with receptor proteins that receive a message, and then remember your signal transduction pathway, getting into the nucleus, turning genes on. The genes now being transcribed into messenger RNA, that messenger RNA leaving the nucleus, binding to a ribosome, and signal peptide at the start of the message uh, indicates that this is to be secreted in response to this initial message from outside the cell. So hopefully everything's coming together. And you should be able to talk your way through this, and then now you can see the rest of it, right? Here's the, the pocketing off of a vesicle. The vesicles all join together to form the Golgi. This is the shipping department here. Uh, the, the sequence of this protein says, okay, ship this one to the cell membrane. That's where the vesicle is sent, and there it goes. Are we good? Yeah. All right, so be able to talk your way through this. Be able to tell the story. All right. We've been looking at eukaryotes. Now let's contrast with a much simpler situation in prokaryotes. So here's a nice schematic comparing the two. In prokaryotes, the whole thing happens in one compartment. Here's your messenger RNA. And because the messenger RNA is translated in the same compartment as it's transcribed, the ribosomes can begin to bind to it immediately. 
while it's still being made. This is super efficient, as bacteria are. And then you get uh, many ribosomes along that uh, messenger RNA. It's even called a polyribosome or a polysome. Here you see the more complicated arrangement, two different compartments, nucleus and cytoplasm. Here's the messenger RNA, uh, the intron spliced out, special modifications, five prime cap, three prime poly A tail, leaves the nucleus and only then binds to ribosomes which are making proteins. And again, if you can describe uh, the difference between the two like I just did, then you know that you know it. Here's a simpler version uh, of the same thing. All right, so transcription and translation are coupled. That is, they take place in the same cellular compartment in blank, either prokaryotes or eukaryotes. And the soon-to-be mRNA transcript is processed before translation in blank, either prokaryotes or Let's get those last few votes in.
right. What about if we get changes in the DNA code? How does that affect the protein that's made? That's called mutation. All right, so four main kinds of mutation with differing scales. A point mutation, as that suggests, that takes place just at one um, nucleotide, one base of the uh, mRNA, or the, of the DNA, and thus the mRNA. Train shift more serious. That means we actually remove or add nucleotides, and it changes the reading frame. We'll see how that works. Triplet repeat. That means we get extra codons added repeatedly up to dozens of times. Serious problem. And finally, on the chromosomal level, we can have massive rearrangements and changes to the DNA, uh, and thus often the RNA. Right. And so, here are the effects of different kinds of mutations, depending on the mutation itself. It could be silent. What silent means is that there's no effect on the function. Now, in this case, if it's to uh, a gene coding for a protein, the change in the mRNA results in no change in function to the protein. Okay? That usually means there's no change in the amino acid that's inserted. If a stop codon is created where there didn't used to be one, that cuts the protein short. Do you think that protein works right? That's a big problem. Because that is so serious, that's called nonsense. That's a nonsensical protein that can't function. If we get a substitution of one or more amino acids for another one, that's called missense. That can be conservative or non-conservative. Conservative means that the function isn't changed very much. So what do you think? A similar amino acid or a very different one in terms of properties? Similar. Whereas non-conservative means a very different amino acid, a big change to the protein's properties. All right, so now let's see how these happen. First, with the point mutation. Here we go. And so here we've got the template strand of the DNA. And remember, the template strand is the one that RNA polymerase attaches to and reads and makes the RNA transcript using. So it will be, the code will be uh, the antisense to the RNA sense code. And so here is the template for each. Let's say here it's 
Oh, we forgot something. This is crucial. Anytime you see DNA sequences written without five prime or three prime, that's a mistake. Okay, so now we can see the template strand is three prime, TTC five prime, and the mRNA corresponding sequence is five prime, AAG three prime. If this is read as a codon, that results in the amino acid lysine, which, because it has an amino group in the R group, it is, its property is, because it has an amino group that accepts a hydrogen ion from solution, it is, what's something that accepts a hydrogen ion from solution, mutates to TTT, so a T is substituted for the C. That changes the mRNA sequence to AAA, and guess what? If you look at your DNA code, I'm sorry, your, your genetic code, your RNA code, that's still lysine. So that was a silent mutation, it did nothing. A nonsense mutation. This goes from TTC to ATC. Now, the, the transcript reads 5' UAG. That's a stop codon. So now, instead of inserting amino acid, we stop. The protein's done. It's truncated. It's cut short. It doesn't work. This is serious. Now, Miss sense. 3 prime TTC 5 prime to 3 prime TCC 5 prime. Now that's uh, transcribed to 5 prime AGG. Now that's arginine. That's got two amino groups in the R group. So is that acidic, basic, or neutral? Basic. It's basic. Is that a big change from the old amino acid? Yes. No. no. So it still has more or less the same function, arginine. It's still basic. So that's a conservative mutation. Whereas if this DNA code goes from 3' TTC 5' to 3' TGC 5', which now makes our codon 5' ACG, now we've got threonine which is a polar but not charged amino acid. Is that a big difference? Yes. 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 So that's a non-conservative change. If that's in a crucial location on the protein, like in the active site or in the binding site of an inhibitor, that could be a big change for that function. Does it make sense? Yes. All right. Let's do one. In a conservative missense mutation, the new amino acid has blank properties that are similar or different to or from the amino, the original amino acid. In non-conservative missense, the properties of the new amino acid are blank, either similar or different to or from the original.
guys got it? Oh yeah, we got it. Okay, I strongly recommend that if you do them in advance, you still check it because I will change them sometimes, okay? So always double check it. Got it? out for neighbor and ask them, make sure they understood it. Don't just say, oh, what do you think? He, oh, what do you think? Okay. Or, subunits of the hemoglobin molecule. And so here's where we are. Here is your DNA sequence. Now notice you've got both DNA strands. Here's your three prime, five prime strand. That's going to thus serve as the template for the RNA transcription. And here's the five prime to three prime coding strand the one that corresponds to the mRNA that's made from the template. Does this make sense? And now here's your mRNA. And here are the uh, codons and the corresponding proteins for this part of the hemoglobin molecule, a beta hemoglobin molecule. And here is the amino acid in question in normal beta globin. And that gives a normal red blood cell uh, because glutamic acid is that uh, charged polar or nonpolar? Acid. Charged. So that's an important uh, amino acid in forming the structure here. Now, in sickle cell hemoglobin. We get just a single change in that codon from uh, 3 prime CTC to 3 prime CAC. Now we've got a change 5 prime GUG in the um, mRNA, and that now codes for baleen. That one is nonpolar. And that changes the molecule. Now, the nonpolar sites stick to each other on the, on the globin molecules, and they form this big chain mess that 
that causes the cell to lose its shape and become single shape. So let's do it. The point mutation in sickle cell hemoglobin is A, silent, B, nonsense, C, conservative missense, D, non-conservative missense, E, actually not a point mutation. Thank you.